You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is Father James Scholl, and I would like to present a uh, short reflection or lecture reading on the topic of extraterrestrial intelligence. Uh, this particular essay was published online uh, by the Catholic Pulse website on October 10th, 2014. <clears throat> and it begins with a citation from a novel by Edgar Pangborn called West of the Sun. Uh, it's a space fiction novel. And it begins, quote, at first, I looked like it looked like Venus. May we call this planet Lucifer, son of the morning. My dear Lucifer was an angel. Angels and devils have a way of turning out to be the same organism. I first noticed that one as a damned intern. I noticed it again when I switched to anthropology. I even noticed it on a spaceship with five persons I loved the best. The end of the quote. A novel written in 1953. Recently, I watched a pretty good local television program in which the possibility and probability of intelligent life in other locales in the universe besides our own was discussed. In addition, I read a very good essay by Brad Miner on why God appears so seldom in the many novels and discussions about space travel and space warfare. This was in the Catholic thing for the 22nd of November, September 2014. The status of man in the universe is a subject that has long fascinated me. In my first book, Redeeming the Time, in 1968, there was a chapter entitled The Cosmos and Christianity. No doubt the apparent size and multiplicity of stars and presumably planets in the universe is so large that it is easy, by the laws of probability, to conjecture that there must be many other planets in the cosmos that are not, that are fit for habitation of creatures like unto ourselves. We do not actually know any, but we cannot or will not accept the possibility uh, that we are the, the only rational and still physical beings in the universe. It seems odd to many that we might, in fact, be alone in the universe. Whether only one human race or many exist in the universe uh, presents the same issue in both cases. How did they come to be at all? And what is their purpose for being rather than for not being? In Christian theology, at least, the cosmos itself did not need to exist. God did not become more godlike if he created or did not create. God was not so internally deficient as many ancient thinkers seemed to think that he needed the world to complete himself. Christian theology and philosophy have tended to see the cosmos in terms of play or abundance 
rather than in terms of necessity and falsity. The universe cannot have caused itself. The existence of life on this planet, in fact, seems to require cosmic laws so precise and exact that the only explanation for our existence is that it was the result of an intelligence itself outside the physical universe, a cause that is not itself a part of the same universe. C.S. Lewis, projecting his theological hypotheses onto the planets Mars and Venus uh, of our own solar system, could imagine a race of rational beings who were never offered eternal life as their final end, as we are. He also proposed a race that finally rejected any effort of redemption on the part of God. I suppose one could also imagine a race that did not fall in the beginning as our race did, uh, but lived on as Adam and Eve would have had they not fallen. Lewis's implied question has to do with the reason why God might create in the first place. The initial answer to this implication is that God created because he freely chose to do so, not because he had to. The end of creation was an invitation to rational beings uh, to live the inner life of the Godhead, uh, an invitation that they accepted or refused by the way that they lived their given lives and understood them. Aquinas held that the universe, to be complete, required someone within it, uh, someone who was not God, someone who could appreciate it and praise it. If this scenario is the case, uh, we have to learn to uh, look at the universe not from the side of its physical history and development, however interesting that may be, but from the side of the free creatures who are found within it. In this sense, the last thing that appeared in the universe, namely human life, was the first thing that God had in mind when he created it in the first place. But the free creature, uh, as free, had to be able to reject the purpose that God had in mind in creation and creating him. Otherwise, he would not really have been free. Only those who freely and uh, delightfully accept such an invitation would want to be in God's presence. What we know as incarnation, as the incarnation and redemption, are thus responses of God to this initial rejection by man of his offer. This approach suggests that the real drama in the universe is always that between the free creature and the creator who freely made him to be what he is. I suspect that the reason why we uh, space novels, while they may not deal with God, always deal with good and evil creatures, the fact of the existence of the cosmos pales in interest before the drama of the free creatures within it. Most scientists do not interest in the, themselves in such theological issues, though they would probably be better scientists if they did. They want to know what, if anything, is out there, 
and whether it is uh, friendly or hostile to our existence. These are not unworthy curiosities. But the first question remains, is there anything out there? In recent decades, the human race, or at least a part of it, has sent a number of space probes that seek to know whether any life is out there in, the, our, in our solar system. Some people claim that this money would have been better uh, spent on helping the poor. But in the long run, probably one of the best ways to help the poor is precisely to learn about outer space and how to get there. But just knowing what it is to be known is itself a good thing. So it's a good thing just to understand it. Beyond that, we are the uh, in the initial status of knowing accurately what is near us. Even the closest galaxy to our own is a huge distance away. Thus far, our radio astronomy and our other probes have yielded no evidence of other centers of rational life in the universe. Another side of this issue, as uh, the television program pointed out, is the assumption that if there is intelligent life uh, in the universe, uh, besides our own, surely uh, it is as curious as we are about what is out there. Would they not also seek other intelligent life in the universe? What seems odd is that no sign exists that our planet is being radioed or investigated in any way by such uh, space civilizations. This fact is not a proof, uh, proof uh, that we are alone, but it is a caution to our theories, and to our theories about the certainty that such life exists outside of our own. The issue of extraterrestrial intelligence is often used to show that the incarnation of Christ into our world for our redemption would create a huge problem if there were rational uh, beings not descended from Adam, uh, nor of our ancestries. The Lewis hypothesis, of course, postulated different races in different cosmic settings, but each was given its own origin and, and uh, mission. Uh, some were not offered a supernatural end. Others were, but accepted it or rejected it. Some were given a savior after their initial rejection. Others were not. But the common uh, hypothesis was that these extraterrestrial races were all finite rational beings, whatever the bodily configuration that they took in a given planetary setting in space. Almost all yarns about uh, space travel and encouraging other beings contain something of the struggle between good and evil. This situation suggests that we cannot really think of a race of free and intelligent beings uh, that do not have to face, in some form, the need to choose uh, what sort of being they make themselves ultimately to be. The notion of outer space, uh, completely devoid of any habitation or purpose, is implicitly rejected by every story written about it or ever, every scientific effort to figure out what is out there. And it would not be uh, a, 
a serious theological problem if we are the only race in the cosmos. Except for certain passages in St. Paul, we really have little to go on. The key, of course, is the doctrine of the resurrection of the body and eternal life. Both imply an existing universe of some sort. The universe, in some sense, is to be made over as a result of the final disposition of the individuals of our race, their judgment. We hear amusing stories of space explorers never having run across heaven or hell in their travels, but that really proves uh, nothing about either locale. What it does suggest is that the cosmos is still related to the destiny of men who appear in it uh, in and pass out of this world. The origin of man and the cosmos are the same. Neither can explain its initial existence by itself. We are not manichees who have a god of evil to produce matter and a god of spirit to produce spiritual things. For now, we can leave open the question of the salvation of other races on other planets, if there are any, till we actually find any of them where they find us. What remains pretty clear is that the the universe does, does betray order, remarkably precise order. In other words, it betrays intelligence. Where does that leave us? We are certain that at least one instance of intelligence exists in the universe. We are likewise certain that the universe in its working uh, workings uh, presupposes uh, certain basic constants without which it could not exist as it does. If there are other rational beings in the universe, they either do uh, not seem to be searching for us or have not found us if they are. We are in turn uh, looking for extraterrestrial life. We assume that it must exist someplace. But the drama of each of our lives is played out on this planet. That such playing out can take place, the cosmos and our place in it come to exist in their own due order of time. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence may well be an excuse for not seeing that the universe itself betrays an extraterrestrial intelligence in its very existing order. But it is all right to find out what we can about the moon and the stars, about any life that may be found in these places. But when and if we find finite intelligence in the universe besides our own, the same basic query occurs. What is its origin? So in that is the basic reflection, then, that we have about about extraterrestrial intelligence. We want to know what our origin is. We know that the world did not cause itself to exist or we to exist in it. And if there are other uh, human beings or beings, rational beings in the universe, they too had to come to, come to be, not by themselves, but by some uh, initial order, some initial cause. And so the question of extraterrestrial Activity brings us always back to the question of why did we exist in the first place and the purpose of our existence, which is, in fact, to associate ourselves with this extraterrestrial 
intelligence which we call God in his inner Trinitarian life. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.